Uh, looking at the birth of Jesus, people have different opinions on it. And, of course, obviously uh, for the world in general, it's December 25th, we think of that. And some realize that he, being the Passover lamb, believe that he would have been born in the spring around Passover, right? So neither one of those, I believe, is, is correct. There's evidence, and once again, we weren't there, so all you can do is go with the evidence that which one which points, and I believe obviously the fall feasts are the most obvious, and I believe based on what I'll show you today that you could peg it as Rosh Hashanah, uh, Yom Teruah this day, uh, which will be on Tuesday, and originally when it happened in 3 BC, it would have been on September 11th, ironically, so, but once again, the song that leads into it kind of sets it up that he's after our heart and from the beginning. And so I want to take you way back. So when we talk about the gospel, often we talk about the cross. We go right to the blood of Jesus. But I want to tell you about a timeless gospel that began at creation. The first mention of the gospel story was rather veiled. It followed the fall when God pronounces judgment on the serpent. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. And between your seed, now that is the Hebrew word Zerah, and her seed, also Zerah, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. That's Genesis 3.15. Now, God sacrificed an animal to make Adam and Eve close. We know from the dispute between Cain and Abel that they understood the significance of sacrifice, the difference between blood and, and other things as, as appropriate for what, what God wanted. So the reality of the need for blood to enable forgiveness was taught from the beginning. We know that our righteousness is in Christ. That has never changed. So it's always going to be about Christ. It's always going to be about the blood. Now, fast forward a little bit. Noah, he was born about a thousand years after Adam. He was the 10th generation. He was the only righteous man in his time, according to Scripture. And the belief in a coming Messiah had vanished except for him. Now, Job and his three comforters knew about it after the flood. He said this, I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh will I see God. In other words, I, I will die, but I will stand here on this earth and see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. I am not another. How my heart yearns within me. That's Job. Boy, like that, man. Abraham was a contemporary of Job's. It's about 400 years after the flood. Noah is still alive at that point. God promised Abram he would have a son and even changed his name to Abraham. He and Sarah were around 100 when Isaac was finally born. Then in Genesis 22, we read what seems like an intensely disturbing command by God for Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. And once again, don't forget, we're celebrating Rosh Hashanah for Tuesday, and that's when this actually, this event happened. I don't think I could do that, obviously. Uh... There's just no way. Uh, it just wouldn't work in my brain. I can't even get to that place of faith. But Abraham, he didn't even seem to blink. And yet, here I have Jesus living inside of me, along with the Holy Spirit, who give me access to the Father, and I'm seated in heavenly places with Christ. What in the world did Abraham have to inspire the kind of faith that he walked in? Here's what Genesis 22 said. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, Go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain, I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. Now, when God told him 
that Sodom and Gomorrah were going to be destroyed, he begged and he pleaded for their lives. Here's what he said. Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there were 50 righteous people in the city? Would you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous people in it? In fact, he, he's such a, a battler. He negotiates all the way down to 10. But the point is he negotiates. He battles. Abraham doesn't even plead for the life of his son. So he very possibly thought Isaac was the promised Messiah, the child of the promise. Because I mean, obviously, a long time coming, he waited for him. He was definitely child of a promise, right? So first of all, Abraham did receive a very specific promise that he'd have a son at a particular time. <coughs> he does not question God's command. Why not? Does Abraham know the Messiah had to be sacrificed and then would be resurrected? That's a good question. Did he believe his son was at sacrifice? Well, Abraham obeyed early the next morning, the scriptures say, and he traveled for three days with her servant to make this horrible sacrifice. When they arrived, Abraham says this to the servants who accompanied him. Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. So Abraham indicated they were both coming back. So how do all these ancient saints have such a profound understanding of the gospel and are able to hold on to an unshakable faith for long stretches of time with no Bible, no Jesus in them, no Holy Spirit in them, no church or pastor, nothing? Well, God wrote the gospel in the stars themselves. Psalm 19 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. And day after day, they pour forth speech. Right at, night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They have no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. See, the stars are revealing knowledge to us about Jesus, is what it's saying. Isaiah 40 says this, Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. So if you notice, God let Adam name the animals, but God named the stars himself on day four, and he made each one with a purpose. Its name tells you its purpose. Long before Moses wrote down the story of, in the Torah, God wrote the story of the gospel in the stars. And we can look up and literally read the Bible. I'll tell you some of the stars and the Hebrew and all behind the gospel and the stars. We're gonna, not going to go through the whole thing. Just a very brief segment just to get you an idea. You can read that and study it either on the blog or go on the podcast and go back through those times. It's a fascinating study. But we're just going to give you a little bit of the star prophecy this morning.